Welcome to another edition of Be The Change Georgia, where we amplify stories and strategies from leaders surrounding the B Corp and social impact movements across the Southeast. I'm Nathan Stuck, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to support your pursuit of a better version of capitalism, one that creates better jobs, uplifts communities, and creates more inclusive places of belonging for all people to flourish. What is the hard truth about why racial and economic inequity exists? What is that big but why question that we should all be empowered to ask as we address the actions we can take to build a better future? Let's dive deeper into these questions and pick up where we left off to wrap up this conversation with our guest, Twana Harris. Well, and I, th- I think, you know, the, the the most exciting shift happening right now in what we're living through is that economic equity question. I think we're asking more of the the but why questions, but we're thinking upstream, we're thinking downstream, we're thinking of like, what actually starts to solve this, you know, so it might not happen in our lifetimes, even if we do make that hundred, you know, but like, where do we start to actually solve the problems versus I think for a long time, and even on issues of race, I think we put band-aids on things, but I don't think we've actually solved the, how do we create economic opportunity from, from, you know, the, the maternity ward, you know, all the way through, how do we create that opportunity versus just waiting and going like, okay, you know, I mean, like a lot of our social issues, which is, I think we're, we're starting to almost engineer solutions like homelessness. We, you know, we want to build another shelter. It's like, well, why do people become homeless in the first place? Let's reverse engineer why this happens and start to solve for that versus starting to solve for the, the output. But it's, it's, it's decades, if not centuries of this, right? You get, you get, I'm, I'm not the most historically inclined. I like shut history off as a kid because it didn't reflect me. Like if you're telling me like, I don't live as, as an enslaved person today, but I had to read and learn about my reality, my history in this country. And it was only as a slave. I disconnected. I'd learned and dumped. I was like, this is some BS. Even at 15, 16, I was like, this is some BS. I'm going to memorize it. I'm going to ace a test and I'm going to be done with it. Cause it's not, it doesn't appeal to me. It doesn't resonate. Right. But if we actually look at like even going back to war times and when GI bills were created, there were some soldiers that were allowed to take advantage of GI bills. Some soldiers were not. That's where it started. Right. And so it's not about, hey, let's look at homelessness. Let's look at the the outcomes today. Let's go back and look at how this mess started and say, let's never do that again. Let's make sure that however that was inequitable back then, we now have made sure that that never happens again. And then how do we go back and repair those families, right? I mean, like there are so many different bills that say, hey, this happened to this community of people, but there's never been any type of recovery. And so how do you bring them forth, right? Yeah, when Um, you destroy generations of wealth or, I mean, UGA has its history of doing that in Athens and you're still trying to repair those relationships and the distrust that exists in this community between the black and brown part of Athens and the university part of Athens. I mean, you can't just go back to who's on the ground right now and say, okay, so we're going to give you opportunity and now we're equal. That doesn't work that way because for generations, I have been in an inferior positioning to where you've been, right? I mean, what I love so much, like I've lived in a lot of different neighborhoods and I really had some conversations with some of my non-Black neighbors. And I love the fact that they said, you know what benefits us is we don't have to take care of our children. 
our parents take care of our children. Our responsibility is taking care of our grandchildren, right? So it's a two generation off, you know, it gives you a little bit of a break. Like if I have kids and we're 25, you and I, we have kids, we're 25 and we don't have the money or the jobs today. That's what African-American families are dealing with. So many other families, right? And I I don't mean that just as a secular situation because I understand that some of my Caucasian friends are dealing with the exact same dynamics, right? But I have to take care of my kids today. My grandparents, my mom and my dad are not taking care of my children because that's just not a mindset that they've adopted, right? So I've got to figure out how do I go to work? How do I pay for them to go to childcare? How do I do all this stuff, right? There is so much there's a lesser pressure when I have to think about, okay, I got to come up financially with the money for the kids that my kids haven't had yet. Like, woo, that gives me a little bit more time. Right. Um, and it gives me a little bit more of a sense of I can do this and, and I don't have to be burned down today with what has to be done. That's never been my experience. Right. My parents, thank God were, um, well enough to to be able to send a check here and there, but they never had the mentality that their my kids are their responsibility, and then my children's kids are my responsibility. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But we're trying to adapt to that mindset right now because that may not be what everybody you know decides to do. That is actually something that I said would have benefited me tremendously had I just had a moment to just get my life all the way together I may not have made some of the decisions that I made because I would have had the flexibility to do things the right way you know everybody looks at me and they're just like oh my gosh you know you you guys have been such amazing parents y'all have an amazing marriage um all three of your kids have gone to school on full ride scholarships you are like super mom and I said and I feel every bit of it but I I, I go back to saying if you were to slice my body open and you were to slice open the body of somebody else that is my exact same age, I guarantee you I'm probably reading 10 or 15 years older than what I really am. Just because it's been so hard to do things different. So that goes back to my very first point in this conversation is even in life, I'm building a plane and flying it at the same time. Because the models that I had were not equitable. The models that I had put us in an inferior position and I refuse to allow my kids to enter the world in the same inferior positioning that I did. So I have not had the greatest models in terms of like from my immediate family, but I've seen some things with Claire Huxtable. I've seen some things, you know, with my 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 friends who actually, when they have their children, their, their parents retire, they come live with them for like a year or two. I want to be able to be in that position to go and support my children as best as I could, because I wish I would have had that same support. Well, and I remember you telling me that in one of our conversations one time was that when you came to Atlanta was the first time that you you also got to see like black wealth. Like you got to see like an affluent African-American community that you were like, and it was like, I'm, I got to get to Atlanta. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious to know like, how, well, A, the, how that influenced you, but also like what other influences do you have? Because I, I mean, there's so many awesome people. We already shout out Sydney and I forget, was it Brian that you shouted out as well? But like. Yeah. What other 
leaders are influencing you? Because obviously you're, I'm sitting here just like I could listen to you for hours and poor, our poor production team's probably like, well, this is a two-part episode. Um, <laughs> but like, wh- like where, like, I don't know, give some resources, give some people, give some names for people oh to follow. God. Like what, what influences Twana? Anybody who's rebellious and kicking back against the system, right? I'll just say that. Like anybody who's doing their thing their way. So, um, you know, and, and basically getting chastised along the way. Like, um, I think I'm motivated uh, a tremendous amount by LeBron's team, you know, um, uh, Math Carter, Rich Paul, the whole entire team. Cause you know, they were down, oh my God, they were criticized so bad. Like these are, you know, like your homeboys and your homies and your posse. And I mean, lots of demeaning statements and those guys, even Rich Paul does not even have a college degree and he's gone on to build a billion dollar brand. I don't think we think about that. Like I don't tell my kids go out and be the next Elon Musk because they didn't have Elon Musk upbringing. They don't have Jeff Bezos upbringing, right? They don't have those upbringings. That's not somebody that they can resonate with, but they can by sure resonate with Rich Paul and saying that, you know what? A lot of my friends don't have, college degrees and they can actually, they have the ability to go out and build a billion dollar brand. I think about people like Issa Rae. And by the way, I believe all these people are younger than me. So you're going to get somebody different. You're going to get a completely different response from me than anybody else. I'm so inspired by these younger generations um, because they're coming in and they're saying, I know you think you know how to do things better than me, but let me just, 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 just watch me. I promise. If I fail, this is my first season. You don't have to renew me. I'll go my way. We'll shake hands and we'll say we tried something different, right? Issa Rae did that with with HBO, with her show Insecure. Five seasons later, they finally say, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, there's nowhere else to go with this story, but here's $40 million because we want you to play with us again. And she broke every role, right? And so um, I'm not going to talk a lot about the school. I actually will kind of keep it to myself because they got into some crazy business because they got a check from somebody who's no longer on this earth because they did some really horrible things to little girls. But um, (laughs) there is a school, there was a a whole thought of a school of disobedience and defiance. And you know, me and my rebellious self, I was like, oh my God, wait, where is it? Like, how can I enroll? Right. Um, And I was so infatuated with this school and their whole process because they said that all positive social change in this world has come from nonviolent social disobedience or civil defiance, right? And it was about people like Rosa Parks saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not getting up. I'm like, not, I don't know what you're going to, I don't know what you're going to do today, but you're not going to get this seat, right? And that's what started change that we needed to see ushered into this community. That was all the way back to Gandhi. That was back down to Dr. King. Like it was like, no, we're not going to do it this way. Because deep down inside, they were asking, but why? Why do I need to get up? Everybody else is sitting down. Why can't we drink from the same water fountains? Why can't we go through the front doors? And it's so funny. I'll I'll say that as I've gotten older and I've had more conversations with my family, I didn't even realize the brilliance that they were holding. So I was telling my stepfather, who basically is the one of the largest subs so a sub is like not the primary contractor, but the one who actually gets, who actually has to do the work, right? Who you bring in to do the work. And I think a lot of times he gets the sub because they had like a minority 
element in the clause. And, you know, I think he's okay with that, you know, but he's provided very well for our family by being the largest sub in in our, in our, in, in, in the North Florida region. But I say all that to say that's in construction. And so I'm talking to him about this thing that I'm building. And I'm like, he doesn't know anything about intellectual property. He doesn't do copyrights and trademarks and doesn't know anything about content. And he said, you know what, Twana? He said, this has been happening forever. I was like, what do you mean? The copyright law is of 1976. So there was a time when I was just, you know, entering this world that you guys could go and get copyrights and trademarks. And he said, no, you couldn't. And I said, what you're not going to do is win this conversation, right? And this is what he tells me, Ethan. And this is North Florida just a few decades ago. He said, the reason why Black people have never been able to get copyrights and trademarks is the same reason why they couldn't get marriage licenses. They couldn't get land deeds. They couldn't get business licenses above and beyond a whole bunch of other things. And I said, that's crazy. That's asinine. Like, what are you talking about? He said, because there were two doors to the courthouse. There was a front door where you could get all those things. And then there was a back door. And you know what the back door was for? I said, what? He said, to pay fines. Period. Let me say that again for the people in the back. (laughs) (laughs) There was one reason Black people could go into a courthouse, and that was to pay fines. So all of the illegitimacy that you see within Black communities that we now get faulted for, you should have been married before you had those children. You should have did this. You should have did that. We couldn't for so long. It wasn't legal to come to the front door where those things were possible. And I literally was on the connector. I mean, I was going to a networking event, more than likely leaving one networking event, going to another. And as I entered off the ramp, I was... I was messed up. I was like, what are you talking about? That wasn't in the 1800s. It wasn't even the early or mid 1900s. That was less than 60 years ago. Yeah. That's somebody who's still alive. (laughs) Who's your stepdad? Like it's somebody who lived that. That's still very young. And he experienced that. Right. And is a very successful entrepreneur to this day owns probably, I would say, a great proportion of our whole entire small town. He actually is the owner for that. And so I have to think about as the heir to some of those things, what, what threat does that pose to his life? Mm. Those are the types of things that I have to think about that you may never have to think about. Right. At what point does that land become so valuable that somebody's willing to take his life or threaten a part of our life or our our what what we stand to 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 inherit based upon what he represents that he doesn't even know that he represents right now. So all of that to say, as we talk about who we look up to, there's a whole bunch of people that I look up to. But as I get older, I go back and say, why do they say you're father is one of the wealthiest people in the city. Why do they say your grandfather is one of the wealthiest people in the, in the city? And I didn't know why. My grandfather was literally gifted over 300 acres of land in North Florida, right? And I grew up and I don't remember the, the, the wealthiness. I remember the, the poverty, but that's because nobody ever communicated us the value of what we were sitting on. And so now I'm here to say, 
it is about stories. I don't tell the story about land, but ho- holy crap, is Jay Bailey telling the story about land right now? And what I love it, right? And we need to elevate that. You know, I don't tell the story about X, Y, and Z. I can't do it all. But there are people out here that are telling those stories, and my job is to elevate them. And so I'm telling you that who inspires me is who haven't told their stories yet. And maybe I don't even know their names. But who is inspiring me today is what's coming behind me. And that's a real distorted look of who typically inspires us, but it's the hopes and the dreams of what's there to come, what we have right here in this city to build, who simply just don't have a space to go because there's zero infrastructure for the creative economy. And we need to tell more stories. We need to create more hope. We need to drive more inspiration. And that can only be done through story. Wow. I just made myself emotional. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, love, I love talking to you. I love that we're broadcasting this conversation because we had a whole script of questions to go off. I think I got to them. Um, but we just go. Wait, wait. And the conversation give you credit because he said you go off this. You go off the script. He said you stick to the script every time. And I was like, I'm going to get him off the script today. <laughs> Oh, and the best part is knowing um, Jeff, who does our production with Chat with Leaders Media. Jeff, I know, is sitting there right now like, yep, I should have known better. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm trying to stay up because he's like, don't move back and forth from the camera because you're going to change the volume. I'm sorry, Jeff. Um, We're rebellious and we We don't follow rules. I'm so sorry. I should have had like a sophisticated mic set up like my boy, Mike Hubbard. I would have, yeah, I would have been great if I just had the mic set up, but like maybe, I don't know. Oh, look at you. You got to get the Blue Yeti mic where you can lean in. Um, So, all right. Now that we're officially off the rails, I do want, as we talk about influencers and storytelling, you to tell people how they can follow you in the world, because I think you are a voice worth following. LinkedIn, the gram, is it TikTok? I don't, I only have LinkedIn. I was going to say, don't you say, there's one social platform that you better not say, but yes, LinkedIn is where I literally have my um, uncensored voice in the most PC um, format. (laughs) We call it the LinkedIn Um, format. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So yeah. So LinkedIn at Twana Harris. um, And then my company is tribalgood.org. And those are the two places where I'm probably going to be more than anything over these next couple of months. We're going to be posting a lot of different events that we're going to be hosting. You and I are going to be doing our amazing business and, you know, literally driving. We're going to be powering purpose all across the Southeast. Right. So y'all just stay tuned. You're going to hear more announcements from both me and Nathan. Check out our, I mean, our LinkedIn's because that's where we're going to be telling the world what we're doing. And we're just going to be doing amazing things. Awesome. So, well, a lot of it's proprietary and I can't talk about it. That's why I'm going to go ahead and check <laughs> this moment. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so no, well, Twana, thank you so much for coming on. I'm, I'm, this has been a lot of fun and I always, I always learn something. I walk away kind of like better for having had the conversation and spent the time with you. So thank you. No, I am uh, so looking forward to this next journey with you, Nathan. Um, it's been a, it's been crazy and exciting already. And I know that we're just going to create more crazy and exciting things to come. So I'm super excited. And we just want to thank Jeff and the whole team for like supporting us with this whole thing. And Hey, anytime you need me, I'm happy to stop by. I'm happy to like dumb down my voice and not use so much profanity. <laughs> there was only one today. We're good. <laughs> so, 
Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, thank you, Twana, for being here. And we'll see you all next time. Hey, Nathan here. Thanks for sticking around for this conversation. We hope it helped to support your journey as a purpose-driven leader and in around our B Corp and social impact community. If you haven't already, please rate the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're consuming this content and share it with a friend. This helps us amplify the wisdom coming from our guests and inspire more leaders like you to use their influence as a force for good. There are always exciting opportunities for this community to convene and learn more from one another. To stay connected, you can email me at Nathan at ProfitablePurposeConsulting.com. You can also follow me on LinkedIn, Nathan A. Stuck, and you can follow Be Local Georgia on Instagram, LinkedIn, or by going to our website, the letter B, Local georgia.com this podcast was made possible by the production team at chat with leaders if you're looking for a way to grow your business through the power of storytelling and deeper stakeholder engagement we can't recommend them enough you can check them out on the web at chatwithleaders.com thanks again for listening now go out there and be a leader worth following